God is fully aware that you will fail. God is fully aware of your inadequacies, and yet he's given you the responsibility to parent. Trust that God will shape your children into the people that he wants them to be in spite of you. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Fox Den. In this episode, I want to talk about parenting. To begin, let me say that if you're not a parent, please continue to listen because I think you can still benefit. Now, for those of you who are parents, have you ever felt like a horrible parent, like you're a failure? You lose your temper with your kids, or you feel like you don't know how to parent them. Maybe you're so busy with work that you don't invest in them. Maybe you fail to consistently pray for them. Maybe they're not turning out the way that you had hoped. But you have to understand something. There is only one perfect parent, and even his kids rebel. Now, let me clarify here. God is the only perfect parent, and his only begotten son never rebelled. Jesus is his only begotten son, and Jesus never sinned. However, all of God's adopted children sin continuously, and that's you and me. Now, have you ever thought of that? God is the only perfect parent, and yet his adopted children disobey. Those of us who believe in Christ are adopted, yet we still sin. Now, at this point, I want to discuss problems that you may be facing as parents. And just so you know, I'm going to bring up things that have just come to mind. This isn't going to be an exhaustive list. Do you lose patience with your kids? Do you yell at them? Do you overreact when your kids do something wrong? Do you apply extreme punishment when you discipline them? Do you fail to invest in your children's spiritual well-being? Do you value your career more than your children? Maybe there are other things that come to mind, but I think this list gets us started. So here's the question. Why do we do these things? Let me say at this point that some of these things that I just mentioned aren't necessarily sinful. For example, if one of my daughters wandered out in the road, I'm likely to yell at her. And there's a reason for this. I want the experience to be memorable. In other words, I don't want my daughters wandering out in the street because it's dangerous. So I'm not saying that everything that I've mentioned is sinful or wrong. However, they typically are. For example, when we yell at our kids, we're usually doing it out of sinful hearts. We're not doing it to protect them. So why do we do these things? Well, it's actually quite simple. We're sinful. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18 actually spells this out for us. But looking at verses 10 to 12, we see that there is no one who is righteous. There is no one who seeks God. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we see that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, there's not a single one of us that's good. And all of us are sinful. God, on the other hand, is sinless. So how he treats us is perfectly loving, righteous, and just. We, on the other hand, are totally sinful. Are you beginning to see why you do what you do? Do you see why you often lose control as a parent? Do you see why you make so many mistakes as a parent? But there's another reason why our parenting is lacking. So first, we are sinful, but our children are sinful as well. Remember, God is the only perfect parent, and yet his people were rebellious. Just read the Old Testament, and you'll see the depth of their sinfulness. How many times did the Israelites turn their hearts to other gods? 
How many times did they do those things that God commanded them not to do? Though God rescued them to be his people, they worshiped false gods. Your children's hearts are the same as yours and mine. Their default setting is rebellion and wickedness. Now, perhaps you think that your child is innocent and sinless. But look at what David said in Psalm 51, verse 5. In sin my mother conceived me. Now, he's not saying that his mom was a prostitute or that he's an illegitimate child. After all, Psalm 51 is a confession of David's sin, not his mother's. And his point here is that he was sinful when he was a single cell in his mother's womb. You see, your child is not innocent. He or she is sinful and their hearts are prone to evil, not to following God. As I said before, the only perfect child was the Lord Jesus Christ. He perfectly obeyed his parents, and he perfectly obeyed God. I hope you understand what this means. Your children don't obey you because they're sinful. Your children rebel because it's their nature to do so. I mean, think about it. We rebel against God, even though we're believers in Christ. This should explain the dilemma that we encounter as parents. And it also explains why parenting is so hard. Parenting a child is like pushing water uphill. As you struggle to push the water uphill, the water follows the path of least resistance. It flows downhill. As I said before, your children's hearts are drawn to evil. As sinful human beings, they're never drawn to God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't force them to obey God. You can discipline them, and if you love them, you will. But ultimately, you can't force them to love God. So this is the framework by which we start. And my aim here is to give you hope, because it explains the conflict within parenting. Now, let me offer a few insights about parenting. And first, we're all going to fail as parents. Remember, God is the only perfect parent. So you're an imperfect parent, which means you're going to fail. Now, perhaps at this point you're thinking, Terry, you're not being very encouraging. But you have to know this. You have to know that you're going to fail because you're sinful and imperfect. But second, God will use all your successes and all your failures to shape your children into the people he wants them to be. And then third, I'm convinced that parenting is more about shaping you than it is about shaping your children. Now, it's true that God has entrusted our children to us, and he's given us a responsibility to parent them. And that means that we have authority over their lives, not as a boss to boss them around or as a master who oversees his servants. God has given us the responsibility to love them, teach them, protect them, discipline them, and shape them. On the other hand, our children are called to obey us. In Exodus 20, we see the Ten Commandments. And verse 12 tells us to honor our fathers and mothers. But verse 12 also gives an implication for honoring father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, it's true that here God is talking to the Israelites just before they entered the promised land. But this command has a positive result for obeying it. It's good to honor father and mother. And then also Paul clearly tells children to obey their parents. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. And he says that it's right for children to obey their parents. So clearly, parents have a God-given obligation to raise their children, and children have an obligation to obey their parents. And as parents, God requires us to love our children, to teach them, to protect them, to discipline them, 
and to shape them. Now, concerning discipline, let me say that if you don't discipline your children, you don't love them. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. There, the writer of Hebrews encourages us not to be weary with the discipline of God, because God disciplines those he loves. Think about that. When God disciplines us, he's treating us like children. I don't mean immature, but like we belong to him, like we're part of his family. Now, each culture will discipline their children differently, so I don't want to impose American ideas of discipline on my non-American friends. However, all discipline should be motivated by love. Your main purpose for disciplining your children is to protect them from doing evil and to call them to live in a manner that is honorable to God. And if you love them, you're going to want this for them. Again, discipline will likely be done differently all around the world. But the starting point is the same. It's love. Again, God disciplines us because he loves us. So you discipline your children because you love them. Now, this is actually a point that will probably reveal our hearts. How many times have we disciplined our children, not because we love them, but because we're afraid that their conduct is going to embarrass us or make us look bad as parents? How many times have we made our parenting choices to protect our reputation? How many times has our parenting been out of selfish motives? You see, we often make parenting about us, not God or children's well-being. Why is this? We're sinful. So this aspect of parenting often reveals our hearts, and it reveals our selfishness. So you can actually say that this is a way that shapes our hearts because it reveals our sinful hearts. Another way that our hearts are shaped by parenting is that we learn so much about God through parenting. The first thing that we learn is that we're not Him. He's perfect, and we are not. Second, we can see what God is like when we parent. For example, when I get angry at my kids for disobeying me, I often find myself thinking, how can I be so angry at my children when I do the exact same thing against the Creator of the universe? And I can see how God treats me when I disobey. He's patient with me. He doesn't punish me because he has a short fuse. He disciplines me because he loves me. How does my parenting compare with God? It falls short constantly. So with this in mind, God becomes the pattern for our parenting. Think about it. He's the perfect parent. So you should parent in the same way that God does. Now, if this is the case, it's important that we have an accurate view of God. For example, he is just. And at the same time, he is gracious and merciful. He saved his people by his grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. However, though God is gracious with his sinful people, he isn't soft on sin. That's why Jesus was crucified on our behalf. God won't merely ignore your sin saying something like, well, I know you didn't mean to do that. He will discipline you to cause you to live as a kingdom citizen here on earth. And sometimes we pay the consequences here on earth for our sin. For example, if you're a believer and you rob a bank and then you get caught, God has forgiven your sins and you're going to go to prison for quite some time. Furthermore, God does what is best for you. And that means he disciplines you when necessary. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God works all things together for good for those whom he has called. Paul isn't saying here that the bad things that happen to you are good. He's saying that God works the good things and the bad things in your life for your good. 
That means that God works the most horrible things in your life for good. That should help us when we think about parenting. We make our parenting decisions for what is best for our children. And sometimes that means disciplining them. Now, let me abruptly change direction here. Don't make the mistake of thinking that it's wrong to get mad at your kids. It might be, but it depends on your heart. Are you angry because you have a short fuse? Or are you angry because your child dishonored God? God got angry with the Israelites on many occasions. But the difference between God and us is that his anger is righteous and without fault. So with this in mind, Paul gives us one bit of advice in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And here he's addressing fathers, and he tells them not to provoke children to anger. Now, when I think of this, several things come to mind. First, each child is different and will likely need to be parented differently. My two daughters are very different. One is an introvert and the other is an extrovert. One was compliant as a young girl, while the other refused to lose an argument. And because my daughters are different, I needed to parent them differently. So keep in mind that there's no set approach to parenting, and you'll likely have to parent each child differently. At this point, let me give you some concluding thoughts. As I've already said, you're going to fail as a parent. We're sinful, and our sin prevents us from parenting perfectly. And the game is set against us from the very beginning. And furthermore, your children are sinful, and you can't change or control their sinful hearts. Only the Holy Spirit can change your child's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can cause your child to love and obey God. Now that leads me into my second point. Pray for your children. Because the change of your children's hearts is dependent on the Holy Spirit, plead with God to provide for and protect your children. Pray that God will keep them, never letting them go. Pray that God would transform their hearts and cause them to love Him and live for Him. Third, and I've already mentioned this one, God shapes your kids through you. That means he uses your strengths and your weaknesses, your successes and your failures to shape your kids the way he wants them. By his sovereignty, he shapes your kids through you. It doesn't mean that your children are going to be angels. Through the good things and the bad things in your children's lives, God shapes your children into the people he wants them to be. With this in mind, you will never fail. Because ultimately, God is in charge. Remember Romans 8.28. Fourth, teach them biblical truth. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. God told the Israelites to diligently teach their children the things that he commanded. They were to talk about them when they sat down in their house, or when they were walking, or when they lie down, and when they get up. So they were to teach their children. So it's the same for you. You are to teach your children about God. Now, you may feel unequipped to teach your children the Bible and what the Christian church believes. However, there's a lot of things that you can do. First, get plugged into a good church, one that faithfully and consistently proclaims salvation by the grace of God alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. You want a church that focuses on what God has done for you in Christ, not what you need to do for Him. Certainly, we are obligated to live as kingdom citizens here on earth. However, we live that way in response to the grace of God. We respond to God in that way because we love Him. 
Now, as a side comment, I realize that some of you don't have an opportunity to get plugged into a good church. But if you can, make sure you're in a good church. Second, there are plenty of resources out there that can help you learn about the Bible and what the Christian church believes. With these resources, you can learn together with your children. You don't have to be a Bible expert in order to teach your children. There are several things that you can do. I'm going to recommend that you listen to the Bible together from front to back. Faith Comes by Hearing is an organization that has dramatized the English Standard Version. And this will help you learn the story of the Bible. And you can go to faithcomesbyhearing.com to get that dramatized version. And I'm going to leave a link in the description section. Also, read creeds and confessions and catechisms together with your children. If you're somewhat of a beginner, I'd start with the Apostles' Creed, the First or Children's Catechism, the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism. And I'm going to leave links to all of these in the description section. Third, there are plenty of sermons and podcasts that you can listen to together with your children. Again, be careful to listen to sermons and podcasts that focus on what God has done for you in Christ, not what you need to do for Him. Don't let your inadequacies get in the way. Too often, parents just rely on the church to teach their children. And I think this is a huge mistake for a couple reasons. One, it's not the church's responsibility, it's yours. But two, there's a blessing in teaching your children about God. Take this opportunity to learn with your children. And then finally, discipline your children. If you love them, you will discipline them. Again, at this point, I want to say that different cultures will do this differently. But the goal is the same. It's to shape your children so they know what is right and wrong. We want them to have a good understanding of what conduct is honorable to God. Not only has God given you authority over your children... Not only do you have this authority due to your role as a parent, God has given you the responsibility to love them, teach them, protect them, discipline them, and shape them. Maybe you struggle because you realize that you're just as sinful as your children. Maybe you think that since you're still learning about Christianity, you have no more right to discipline them, that you're inadequate to teach them. But God gave you the responsibility whether you're a new Christian or whether you've been a Christian for a long time. God has entrusted your children to you, and he will shape them through you. Therefore, discipline them because you love them. God is fully aware that you will fail. God is fully aware of your inadequacies, and yet he's given you the responsibility to parent. Trust that God will shape your children into the people that he wants them to be in spite of you. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.